Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Let's pray. Let's do that. God, we just thank you for this day. You are the ultimate father. You're the father of the fatherless. God, I just thank you that you are the... (laughs) You call orphans home. You make them part of your family. God, you adopt us. You graft us. You make us all yours. You're not angry, spiteful, not full of revenge, but love. God, I think that today as we dive into this talking points that we have, that it's not by accident that you set this up, but I thank you that you're going to speak to us and to our hearts. Let every... Father, that hears this message, be encouraged. Every mom um, or father to be or mother to be or every teenager, whoever's in this room, God, let them grow. Let them experience your word and your love. Let them experience your, your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One of the great things about Father's Day is the question that happens roughly either this morning or yesterday afternoon, and that is, what are we eating for lunch? Yeah, anybody already had that this Father's Day lunch discussion? Is that a normal Sunday or is it specific for Father's Day? Mom has. I decide what I'm going to eat for lunch in about 35 minutes, typically. Um, but Father's Day is different. People sit down and they begin to talk about what they want. Last week at staff meeting, we brought up what we were going to eat, what we were going to do, and all those fun things for Father's Day. And how that was all going to lay itself out. And I, I am preparing our part two for our, um, our series that we're in. Last week we talked a lot about shooing the birds away. You remember what we were talking about. Keeping them away from the sacrifice. That the covenant is what he's after. He's not after you. He couldn't care less about you. But the enemy is after your covenant. He's after the generations that come from you. And whether you currently have kids or not. That's not important. What is important is that there are people that you are influencing that will influence other people. He's going after the generations that you impact on a regular basis. Uh, we're going to go part two into this series. Um, and as we dive into this, I, I, we have to go into this whole idea of what we're going to be talking about. And that is, are you hungry? One of the misconceptions of our, our miracle misconceptions is this idea that we sit back and it just happens to us. This idea that we do nothing, that we just relax, we get on the beach, we get our toes in the sand, and God just does everything. The two big things that we're fighting is this idea that we have to do everything and we have to do nothing. Come on, God's a God of balance. Amen? He is a God of balance. He's not an extremity God. He doesn't go one way he wakes up and he is you got to do this. Next wedding, he wakes up and you, you got to do that. No, he is a consistent, he's a foundation. He is a solid rock. And I don't know about you, but I get hangry. Does anybody else get hangry? I don't feel it coming on. Like, I don't wake up and like, I'm in a bad mood. But sometimes my blood sugar or whatever it is, I have no idea. It hits me and there's like fire that goes up your spine. And you're like, if anybody gets in the way, I have no problem going to jail for a cheeseburger right now. Like, 
God forbid. And yet you get to that level, and a lot of times for me is I get to that level where, because I'm working and I get focused on what I'm doing and on my stomach will growl, I'm like, whatever. And I'll keep working and keep working, and my stomach will growl, whatever. And I'll keep working and I'll keep working. And then all of a sudden, somebody will walk in my office and I'm like, I'm going to bite their head off. And they did nothing wrong. Sweet people, love everybody. But in that moment, I need food. I need food. But can y'all recognize, yeah. Because for me, maybe for you, our appetites dictate the direction of our lives. Whether it's cravings for our stomach or passionate desires for power or prestige, whether it's having a, an appearance or whether it's chasing after God, your appetite will determine and dictate the direction of your life. I guess, as John Piper puts it, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world, our soul is stuffed with its delicacies and small things, and now there's no more room for his greatness. Think about that. Let me pedify that statement for just a minute. If we lose our hunger, we lose our desire. If we lose our desire, we stop seeking. If we stop seeking, we stop finding. If we stop finding, we start rationalizing. And when we start rationalizing, we stop and remove God from all things in our life. Because one of the biggest issues with our miracle misconception is that we want to rationalize why God does or doesn't do what he does. And our rationalization of why he does or he doesn't do what we think he should or shouldn't do always becomes from this place of we have a disappointment, something takes place, we remove ourselves, we start reasoning amongst ourselves and start going, how can we explain this away? I've been watching this documentary and it's on uh, the FLDS, if you're familiar with their organization. And uh, it is the fundamental version of um, the Mormon church. And uh, my goodness, it had quite the scandal a few years back, probably two decades ago. And what we're seeing is how did it get to this place? And one of the big things that they did was that he prophesied that when the Olympics in 20, 2002 came to Salt Lake City that that was the end times and God was going to destroy them all. And so he moved all 10,000 of the followers to this little town to isolate themselves and wait for the apocalypse to take place. It didn't happen. So then he had to explain away why he was, or why it didn't, and why it did this, and why, to maintain his position. And what happens when it comes to many of our miracles is that we lose our hunger because we get disappointment. And we decide that we're going to reason amongst ourselves why God doesn't do it. And that reasoning amongst ourselves creates, if you can, it creates a satisfaction in our heads to cut off the hunger in our stomachs. See, what's crazy is if you do any kind of weight loss pills or any kind of weight loss stuff, what it does is the whole idea is not that it burns your fat, is that it curbs your appetite. Because what they're going with is, if I can make you to stop be hungry, then I can give you what you want to have. And that's the exact same thing the world is continuing to offer, is if it can stop your hunger for the things of God, it can control what you do digest. One of our first and foremost things that we have to do is to be hungry for a move of God. We have to be hungry for your miracle. What would you give up to see that miracle take place in your life? 
If you've ever been so hungry physically, you would do, you would, <laughs> we went to, we took the seniors on their senior trip, and I found myself so hungry at this, at, at the, uh, I think it was SeaWorld, I was willing to spend $22 for a cheeseburger. That's a cent. Ain't no one's cheeseburger for $22. And I'm sitting there going, but my hunger was willing to sacrifice my financial morals. <laughs> Have you ever been so hungry you would have done anything? Anything at all? In Genesis, I'm going to flip over to this passage real quick. It's, it's hit me. Genesis chapter 25. We see that Abraham has his sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And Isaac finds himself fixing to be a father of two kids. Esau and Jacob. She finds herself pregnant, Rebecca, with two kids. And it says that in verse 20, 26, Afterwards his brother came out, and his hands took hold of Esau's hill, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. I just can't imagine having kids at 60. You refuse to. Let them go. So the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter and a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a raw stew, and Esau came from the fields, and he was very weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please give me. Look at this. How about this version? I beg of you, let me have some of that red lentil stew to eat, for I am faint and famished. We would say, I'm starving to death. Everybody been starving to death. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That. I, I'm, Have you been so hungry you feel like you're going to throw up? Like, I'm starving. And this is why this place is called Edom. Jacob answered, then sell me today your birthright. In other words, well, how hungry are you? How bad do you want this soup? Esau looks and goes... <laughs> What good is it if I'm dying anyways? Take it. Swear to me. I swear to you. It's yours. Notice what his hunger did. For him to satisfy his hunger, he was willing to let go of what was supposed to be precious to him. And this is where I find many of us today, is that we're not hungry for a move of God anymore. We're not hungry for our miracles. It's a good idea. I would love to experience a miracle. I would love to experience a, a prophetic word. I would love to see angels. I would love to see healings. I would love to see this take place. I'd love to see these people come home. I'd love that. I'd love. That's a great idea. But how hungry are you? Are you willing to stop being hungry for this and be hungry for that? Eh, not that much. Because it's not about loopholes. I'm not micromanaging or behavior modification what you watch on television or what you're listening to or what's on the internet or any of that stuff. I haven't given any examples. So if there is something right now going, you need to give that up. It's not from me. So listen as I speak. Because if God is tugging at your hearts to get, let go of something, that's not from me. Because what he does do is he constantly asks, are you hungry? Are you hungry? We are always hungry for something. And this is what hits me the most. Is where you're either hungry and starving for God's move. And willing to for, for, get rid of anything else. Or we're hungry and we're starving for this over here. Whatever ideas that we have. Whatever popularity that we're looking for. Whatever makes us feel good in our comfort levels. Where, where's our hunger at today? 
And this is what bothers me about our churches that we, we see today is that we talk a lot about God's moves, but I'm not seeing much hunger for it. We talk a lot. You ask any church in America, would you like a move of God? Oh, of course I'd like a move of God. That's like asking, would you like some banana pudding? Of course I'd like some banana pudding. That sounds like a great idea. Anybody got banana pudding? Uh, it's a great idea. But if I came to you and be like, hey, would you like some banana pudding? Yeah, I would love some. $20,000 for this banana pudding. You'd be like, you have lost your mind. I don't want it that bad. What is it that has taken a hold of our personal lives that we've now gotten to a spot where we're no longer hungry for God's move? We just think it's a good idea. You know what's a great idea? I would love to have one of those big, huge DeMonte steaks. You ever see them like on, where they come out like in a suitcase? You know what I'm talking about? And everyone's like cheering and they open it up. Have you seen them on, on, on Facebook or Instagram? And it's like, seriously, $1,500 for the steak. Can I tell you? looks great. I'm not spending it. It's not going to happen. And this is where we find ourselves too many times. Is that it sounds like a great idea, but I'm not going to count the cost. I'm not going to do whatever I need to do to experience it. And I need to stop and say it has nothing to do with you being good enough for God's miracles. It has nothing to do with you being good enough. But what happens in my life is that I settle for the mediocre at the expense of the extraordinary. If you call me and say, hey, this week, we're going to go out. We're going to go to whatever steakhouse you want to go to. Sounds like a great. What time are we going to go? We're going to go at 6 o'clock. Oh, I'm so excited about it. But at 4.30, I have a snack because I'm famished. By the time I get to that restaurant, I'm going to nitpick at my food. And this is what happens when we come to God. We have been filling ourselves with mediocre I mean, mediocrity and filling ourselves with the basis of the world that by the time he goes, hey, do you want to move? We're like, I'll pick at it. I'll sit here, God, and if you want to do something, you can do it. I made myself available. I gave you a one-quarter hand raise. Nope, he didn't want to do it. Okay. It's on you, God. Because we're not hungry anymore, y'all. We're not starving for a move. All right, I'm blowing through this. Uh, a couple of benefits of spiritual hunger that we'll, we'll go into. Number one, uh, hungry people will be satisfied and will be filled. Psalms 107.9 says, He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry heart with goodness. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The word filled there can also mean to be satisfied or fulfilled in every area. When I think about being hungry for God... We always receive this idea that we want to receive more. But the rich are those who think that they don't need God. They think they've got everything else. And I'm talking about wealthy in the context of financial blessings. Because there's a lot of wealthy people who are starving for God. And there's a lot of poor people who don't care about God. It has nothing to do with about your income. It has everything to do about your hunger. Because here's the thing. Hunger people will see what they're looking for. Hungry people will go after what they're experiencing, which leads us to number two. Number two is hungry people have an imagination for what they're hungry for. One of the worst things I think that's taken place with technology today 
is that it has limited our ability to have an imagination because it just provides it for us. And when was the last time you put a VR headset on? There was no imagination. Your whole world was there. When was the last time? My kids, I love my kids. Maybe you have kids or grandkids that do the same thing or nieces and nephews. My kid will have a toy and watch the television of somebody else playing with the exact same toy. I'm like, McKenna, you've got that toy. I know. But I'm watching them play. So I know what to do. I'm like, it's not a video game. It's not complex. It's, it's a doll. Like, grab two dolls. Have a conversation. Have an imagination. What are they doing today? Where are we going to go today? It's just not there. I'm watching a generation's imagination plummet to a degree that I've never experienced before. How about the times when you used to sit down and your parents or somebody would read you a bedtime story and you could picture the things that they were reading? Hungry people have an imagination for God to do something. Hungry people can see what they're talking about. In Psalms it says this, He turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. He makes the hungry to dwell there that they can establish a city for a dwelling place. He says, yes, there is established a city for you to be. I love this because this whole context is there will be this. He's putting an imagination in your mind. Imagine there was desert and now there's springs of water. Imagine that there was nothing and now there's city. picturing food. I might like pizza, hamburgers, steak, chicken, sushi? Mm, nah. And then all of a sudden I hear barbecue and I'm like, my mouth starts to water. And you're like, there is what I've been searching for my whole life. And then you start picturing, okay, okay, I got barbecue. Okay, Jim and X, let's go to Jim and X. Uh, I'm going to get the double decker. I'm going to get some fries. Oh, my goodness. How about them cheese biscuits? You start, you start picturing. and You're sitting at that table even though you're 15 miles away. Because hungry people, when they find what they're looking for in their minds, they picture it and they chase it. And now we're going, what do you want for your miracle? I don't know. And if I ask you, who's looking for a miracle? And you say me. And I go, what does it look like? I mean, I don't know. A miracle? Like, you want to see somebody levitate? You want to go to David Blaine concert? Like, what, what are we looking for right now? Because hungry people who are hungry for a move of God, who are hungry for a miracle, can go, hey, this is what it looks like to me. It's called vision. Hungry people have vision. And when we're talking about a vision, I'm asking you, what is your soul hungry for? What's the vision you have for your finances? That should be an easy one. If you're in debt, if you're getting collection notices, maybe a vision to start with is that your phone, when it rings, you don't get into panic. You're not afraid to answer every phone call that you don't know because you don't want to get caught in collections conversations. Maybe you're having a vision or to be married. Maybe you can't see that individual, but you know what it wants to look like. You know what the feeling of being married is supposed to feel like. 
maybe you're going through all of these things that you're happening. And when I look at you and say, when you're looking for a move of God, new life, what does it look like? Does it look like the lost coming in? Does it look like people who come in with wheelchairs get left at the ground? Does it look like the dead rising? Does it look like the presence of God being hitting you so hard you don't know if you can stand up? What does it look like to you? Does it look like prophecy and signs and wonders? Does it look like a big sanctuary? What does a move of God? See, what we're doing is just like I mentioned Jim and Nick's and the biscuits and the fries and the bit red brisket or whatever it is that you're doing, the sweet teas. I'm asking you when you're looking for your miracle, what does it look like? Can you describe it to me? Because hungry people can describe it. They may not know all the details, but they know what it looks like. I can't tell you on my, uh, on my brisket where the, whether or not I'm going to have pickles or not, but I know I want brisket. You're walking through hungry people have an imagination. Number three, hungry people influence others. Psalms 107.38, he blesses those that are hungry and he multiplies them greatly. I love coming up and talking to Ira and hearing about what he cooks, about what he makes. And one day I'm going to experience it. But what he does is he starts telling me the random things that he can come up with. Picture a duck and then you got frogs and you throw them in the duck. And then you're like, that sounds horrible. And then he describes it and you're like, I think I need to eat frog legs out of a duck wrapped in bacon, deep fried in olive oil. I don't know, like whatever it is he's doing. What happens is that his passion for that thing is contagious. When I sit with you, I'm like, what do you want for dinner? Oh my gosh, let me tell you where we're going to go. And I'm so excited about this place. And I describe it to a T. And you're like, I got to have that burger. We're going to go. And then you go. There's this thing called a double secret probation. There's a restaurant in Montgomery called the Tower Tap Room. It's a downtown by the uh, baseball stadium. And they have what's called a double secret probation. It's French fries with cheese on top, buffalo chicken tenders, bacon, and chives. Right? And they, it's this big. It's, it's humongous. And you're like, oh, the love of my life. It's right there. It's so amazing. And we sit there and we talk. And if you go with me, I get mine buffaloed. So it's got a little bit of a heat to it. And it's got some of the sweet cheese on. Oh, it's so great. It's amazing. Or you can get deep fried Oreos there. Have you had a deep fried Oreo? It's like somebody took an angel and stuck it. It's just so good. It boiled it. And yes, it's like, it's like a Gabriel finger. It's just fantastic. It's they're delicious. Their cheeseburgers, oh, instead of using normal buns, they use uh, uh, pretzel buns. Oh, so good. You're with me now. Yeah, hungry people, when they describe what they're hungry for, get other people passionate about it. Maybe people aren't following you to church because you're not passionate about God. That hurt. Because what we're passionate about, we talk about. In about 60 days, we're going to have some very heated discussions about football. Because we're passionate about it. We're going to walk through who we think and why they did and why they didn't do. I've never played Division I college football. I have no idea what they go through in life. 
But I guarantee you, in about 60 or so more days, I will judge every single one of them on the football field as if I know what they should be doing because I'm passionate about it. Hungry people attract people to their hunger. This is how restaurants gain momentum is by word of mouth because you have a good experience and you tell your friends and you bring your friends because here's what happens. When we get passionate about something and we like it and we bring our friends to it and then they get passionate about it, it creates a synergy of acceptance and we want more people to experience our good thing. And this is where we look at the things of God. How often are we passionate enough about Him? It's not one of the things, you need to go tell every single person about God. No, no, no. Have you met our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Slam. Next. Well, I did my ten knocks today. It's not what it's about. I just had a conversation uh, mid-service with somebody who had a, uh, a, uh, something happen at their work, and they got an answer to prayer, the things that they were searching for, the miracle that, that shifted them. Everything that they were looking for happened this past week. Can I tell you? I have no connection to the job. I can't do anything for the job. But what it did is it spurred me on to go, if he'll do it for him, he'll do it for me. Because I was watching his passion and I could see behind his eyes the emotion, the, the breakthrough. And I went, that's what I want. I want that. Because hungry people attract the people who don't even know they're hungry. You didn't come in here possibly thinking about double secret probation french fries and deep fried Oreos. Eric may have. No one else was really thinking about it. But now you're like, oh, it's there. Deep fried Oreos. You don't need the fare. You can go anytime you want. It's amazing. And this is what we're looking at for the things of God. Is people who are hungry for a move of God change people's hungers. They, they shift because all of a sudden I'm speaking a language that you haven't even known you've been missing for so long. I'm beginning to speak to your heart about God doing something and transforming the city and watching people who are bound and, 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 and in bondage, who are struggling with alcohol, who are struggling with drugs, who are struggling with addictions, who are struggling with, with rejection, who have been disowned and disqualified, who have been beat up by the church, who have gone through hell and back and they're just barely holding on. And you start looking at a place that they can come and get restored and a place that they can have an experience and a place where they can be safe. You walk through this with people and go, hey, I want to go to that place. Just being very vulnerable today, one of the biggest draws that I tell people about New Life is my personal story. The amount of you that had the ability to pick up a rock and stone me to death emotionally or spiritually get wrapped your arms around me, I go, I want to go to that church. I want to go there. It's the love of this group of people that kept me where I'm at. It's, that's why I tell people about new life. Well, I don't want to go to church because churches are judgmental people. Some are. Some really truly are. But I can speak for these people. It's that kind of love that I go, no. Nah. Let me tell you where you should go to church. It's not that we excuse sin, but we still believe in the sinner. And that's the line we're looking at, is the church for so long is the only army in the world that shoots its own wounded. And I, and, and I experienced, and just to be very, very, very vulnerable, I expected to be shot up. I did. Of course you do. 
that's what life has taught us. And I watched a miracle of people go, I love you anyways, Pete. I'll love you through your mess. I'll love you through the mistakes. I'll love you through everything in life. And you walk through that and I go, I will take every single person that I find that's hurting, dying, and struggling with life, and I will tell them about this place. Not because of my preaching, not because of the playing on the piano or the music, but because the people in the seats changed my life. That's what changed my life. The word is great here. The music is great here. But it's the people that are phenomenal here. And I can bear through a horrible Pete sermon because I've got people that give me life. And that's what hungry people do. Is when you find yourself starving and when you find yourself hungry for something and you found what you're looking for, you run back and tell them all. It's like the people who are leopards outside the city. The whole city is besieged. They can't do anything. Everyone's starving to death. They're picking kids to eat next because they're starving to death. God wipes out the army. The lepers go, you know what? We might as well march to them. They're going to die anyways. And they get there. And as they walk, their footsteps were magnified. And the armies fled. And they were petrified. And they just left everything. And they're standing there going, we have everything that we've always wanted. Lepers were outcasts. They were disowned. They were disqualified. They were the worst of the worst. A social pariah like you can't believe. And for the first time in their lives, they had the ability to watch everybody who ridiculed them die. They could have sat there and go, ha, 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 here we are. We can have it all. All those people who mocked us, all the people who hated on us, they can go to hell. But they said, it is not right that we stay here while they starve. And they got up and marched to the people that I guarantee you ridiculed them and said, hey, 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 the armies have left. Come eat. We found what you're looking for too. That's what hungry people do, guys. You're hungry for a miracle. You're hungry for something, a move of God. You're wanting to see something. Are you telling other people about God's goodness in your life? Oh, I gotta hurry. I'm a blab. No. No. We're skipping ahead. God promises that He will fill you with hunger, that He'll fill you when you're hungry. You ask for it, number one. If you're not currently hungry for a move of God or a miracle of God, and it's just a great idea, first question you have to ask yourself is what have I been eating? God, show me the junk food of my life that I need to stop so I can start feeding on what is good. A few weeks ago, I did a juice fast. It was a horrible idea. But can I tell you, the first few days, I'm like, oh, this is bad. Every meal, vegetables, liquefied. But after like the third day, I'm like, this isn't that bad. And then I'm like, I slept amazing. My body doesn't hurt. Like, so like an old man right now. Um, yeah, it was, so, you're the, everything was feeling really, really great. So I started telling people, oh yeah, the juice fast is great. But you know what? The first few days, shifting from sweets to shifting to this was horrible. And you know what you have to do is you have to look at yourself and go, number one, what is it that I'm eating that is not going to help me get to where God's got for me to do? What's holding back my hunger? Number two, I pray. God, I want more hunger. 
I want to be starving for a move of God. I want to be starving for something that happens. I want to be seeking after your face. Three, I repent. God, all the things that I have been doing wrong, I want to push them. I just not, not only want to not eat them, I want to reject them as a whole. God, keep them away from my life. I repent before God in turn. Number four, I get into a group of people that are also hungry. Hunger begets hunger. Yeah. Find people who want the same thing and talk about it. That's what dinner clubs are for. We talk about what we're going to eat. We're going to talk about these things. We're going to talk about a move of God. We're going to talk about my miracle. And you're going to talk about your miracle. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when my miracle comes to pass. And you're going to tell me about what. And we, we build on each other's faith. That's what that's supposed to do. We gather people around us to tell them about our hunger. We watch God move. It's that simple. I didn't say it was going to be a fast road. I said it was going to be a simple road. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, maybe if they're lucky, will be filled. No, it, they will be filled. It doesn't say when. It says will. It doesn't say in the first two days of doing it, the first two weeks of doing it, no, 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 no. There will be a fountain of God's presence pouring out on this place because there's going to be hungry people starving for a move of God in this place. Lastly, when he does feed, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Ezekiel has this verse that I love. Um, It says that, and he will feed you and you will eat and be filled and you will drink your wine and be merry. I love this. This whole idea of relax and eat. We have this mentality that, that if we start to sit down at a meal with God and he gives us what we want, people do two big things. A, they push it away, or B, they rush through it. I'm a fast eater. You have never seen anybody eat as fast as I can eat. It's impressive. It's impressive. He says, no, it's disgusting. I kid you not, I can, ask my parents, I can go through a 16-ounce steak in under 60 seconds. Yeah, that's what I go, slow down. Did it taste good? I don't know. People who push things away, what we do is we have this idea that I've been seeking after something, I've been chasing after something, and now it's here, and either A, I don't know what to do with it, or B, I don't deserve it. It's like the dog who chases after the mail truck and then finally grabs hold of it and goes, now what? We've been seeking. We've been chasing. We've been doing. Now what? Uh, I wasn't prepared to actually receive. And so we push it away. Or B, I don't need this, God. I was just, I was just asking. You gave it, but I don't deserve it. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What happens when you plant your bread? You're starving to death. And he goes, dummy, I gave you bread. Well, I don't deserve this bread. I didn't work for this bread. See, that's, this is where we flip. The children of Israel, when manna and... <laughs> And, and quail came, they didn't go, I don't deserve this, God. I'm not going to touch it. I didn't do it. You sent it. They go, 
right? <laughs> and start filling up their food. This is the difference. Children of the king who know that they're children of the king, when the king gives, they eat. People who are orphaned don't feel like they deserve it, and they push it away. And this is where we have to talk about on another time. But it's this orphan spirit that is holding us back from receiving God's goodness in our lives. Because even at the inkling of him doing something big, we push it away. Or, we rush. This is like the, 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 the bride who's sitting at her reception. And instead of enjoying the reception, she's on TripAdvisor planning breakfast for tomorrow. And the excursions for her trip. You can't be in the moment. And we miss it. The amount of time that a move of God has been present, and I've, I've felt it. I've seen, I'm like, here we go. We're about, I could feel the swell. I could, I've been doing this long enough to know when something's about to happen. And I've watched it increase and increase. And then I'm, whoop, come back down. I'm like, it's right there. What happened? And I've wondered, have we rushed things? Have we pushed for things to move faster? And God's saying, when I feed you, you eat. When I give you wine, you drink. Just relax in the moment. Stop worrying about tomorrow or yesterday. Stay in his presence as long as it's there. Stay in his presence as long as it's there. Don't get into a rush. When you experience that miracle, enjoy it. I, I love what college athletes are doing now. They have a big win. And they're like, so what's for tomorrow? And they'll answer this question. Coach says that we get 24 hours to enjoy this. On the 25th hour, they're back to the grind. But they enjoy that moment. Parents, enjoy the moments you have with your kids. Enjoy it. I understand cutting grass is important and, and taking care of the property that we have that God's been granted to us. But the grass will be here in 25 years. Your kids won't. Take some moments. Spend time with your kids. When you're sitting at the table, let's put the phones down. Have a moment. Create connection. Eye to eye. Use your mouth. Have those times. Guys, ladies, remember when you were dating? You used to dream about the, and you talk about when we're going to get married, and we're going to have this moment, and we're going to be, this is what our life is going to look like, and you're starting to have those conversations. You're hungry for your marriage. You're hungry for your wedding. You're hungry for all those things. You're dreaming together. And now all of a sudden you find yourself, fast forward X amount of years, you're at opposite ends of the couch on each other's phones, planning the next vacation or the next home project that you're probably not going to do. What happens in our world is that we're missing the moments that God gave us. Be present in his presence. Be present in the people around you's presence. Some of the greatest miracles that will take place doesn't come because you fasted and prayed. It's because you put down your phone and paid attention. Some of the greatest conversations I've ever had in life wasn't because they came busting through my office door sobbing going, I've been seeking God's face. Blah. It's been, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. But oh, cool. Or, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Oh, pretty good. Anything we can do to be better? Oh, you heard me? Yeah, what's going on in your life? I don't know. Just a lot. Let's talk about a lot. What's going on? And you can see this. What's the trick? Like, you're actually paying attention to me. And you realize... The emotions that have been held back for so long on a simple conversation, not a, I've got a word for you. 
I feel like God's doing... No, it's just simple conversations. And you watch them break down. And you use the, the Holy Spirit to guide you through those conversations. And you're speaking life over people who have been smiling on the outside and completely dead on the inside for far too long. That's a miracle moment. If not for you, it was for them. Because for the first time, I don't know how long they were seen. And you loved them through it. But if I'm always trying to go through the next TikTok video, what's happening on social media, or talk, worried about the next phone call or the next project that I'm going to do, I'm missing the moments. And what I'm doing is I'm investing the precious time I have in inanimate objects that don't care about me. I'm investing into something that will not invest back. But you know who will invest back? The person next to you. It may take some time. Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. Your kids, your spouse, invest into them and watch the harvest come back. Enjoy those moments. When we're here on a Sunday, you're at a prayer service, and you feel God's presence, and you feel Him moving, let's not worry about the next song. Let's not worry about what we're going to do for lunch. Let's not worry about if there's going to be coffee at the break. Because one thing's going to happen, I can promise you, in about two short hours after that song's played, your mind's going to be a million miles elsewhere, and you're trying to eat lunch, and you're trying not to yell at somebody, and you're not dealing with road rage, and waiting in line for an hour and a half at Longhorn. You know where God's presence is? Not there. Enjoy the moments. If God's people would savor his moments, I promise you, you'll receive more of them. Don't be in a rush. He feeds those who are hungry, enjoy it when you sit at his table. God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And we're like, looks good, God. Next. Enjoy it. Enjoy your moments. Because hungry people will savor every single bite. And they'll tell other people about the bites that they've had. This week, as you experience life and everything else, I encourage you, be present in the moments that you have. Be hungry for his presence. Name the miracles that you're looking for. Describe them to your spouse. Describe them to your friends. This is what I'd be praying for. I called four people on Thursday and sent them texts like, hey, I need you to pray with me. Two of the three said, cool. That's all I said. I need you to pray for me. Cool. I didn't tell you. You want a follow-up question? <laughs> what can I be praying for you about? The other two? One of them texted me a long conversation back and forth. The other one immediately picked up the phone and called me. What do you need? Be a person that can describe what you need from God. Have a vision about what you're seeking after. Look for his move, whether it's financially or relationally or physically, emotionally, spiritually, church-wide, individually, Family-wide, I don't know what you need. Seek it out. Ask God today, what is the things that I've been hungry for that I haven't been eating from because I'm filling myself with other things? God, what are the things i got to purge myself on so I can be hungry? Guys, when you eat, enjoy it. Take some moments this week. Talk to somebody. It's so funny. At the amount of times that... Uh, a waitress or a waiter will sit on my food and they'll go, enjoy. And my immediate reaction is, you too? They're like, well, I'm not eating. It's a habit. Break the habits of our communication this week. 
Look at somebody and have a conversation. Can I tell you, it's going to be awkward. Because human-to-human interaction isn't something we're used to anymore. But I promise you, it will change a life. It will change your life. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you for miracle moments that we enjoy. God, I ask for people to be hungry. Those who want to be hungry. Those who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness, God. Lord, I just ask that you begin to open it up. Those who realize that they've allowed themselves to become callous and full with the world, that God, you begin to stir up it again. The things that they used to be hungry for, the, 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 the relationships they were hungry for, the miracles, the moves, the prophetic, the signs, the wonders, whatever it is, God, that you stir it back up again. God, the reasoning of why falling down in the name of Jesus, God, and be stirring up for a passion and a hunger for who you are. God, I thank you that we're going to have a church full of hungry people, starving for your word, telling other people about what you're, the goodness of your, you, the experiencing the heal and the wholeness, the, the miracles that they've been looking after, and not being satisfied with just one or two or three, but continually wanting more and more and more of your presence every single week and every single day. God, I just ask that you let us be present in your miracles, the big and the small the conversations and the conversions, the big things that you're going to be doing and the very small things at the coffee shops, that God, you can continue to have us uh, be present in every single moment of our lives. In your mighty name, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.